0: Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. How's everyone doing? Online doing well? Can't, hear, can't talk back. It's fine, though. It's fine. It's good to be here with you tonight. Uh, before we get into it, just that one more update or reminder for all of us is that next Sunday is Vision Sunday, and so you're not going to want to miss that, so we're going to hear an update as to all the things that God has been doing in this. We run vision over two-year periods of time. One year is just a lot, not a lot of time to get the vision done, so we do it over two years, so it's a bit of an update. Here's what God's done in our vision, uh, and here's where we think god's leading us over the next 12 months or so together as a church community and these moments are really important it just re-centers us on the bigger picture there's things that we do all the time because it's, we're christians we, we get into the rhythm and there's good things that we do but there's also a particular mission a particular vision on this house of avant life church across all of our cities and services that uh that matters that we're all find our fit in we find our place in together. And so Pastor Ben is going to be speaking across all services next week, and uh, it's going to be really, really great. So today we are wrapping up our series that we've been in. I think this is week eight in our series, Jesus is King. And you know when you're watching, like you you jump on Netflix and you, you grab a show that you haven't watched in a little while, like if you're like binging, you don't want the previously on whatever show that you're watching. But if it's been a few days, it's like you appreciate the quick, like, update. Like, right, that's what happened. Oh, I heard that that storyline, I forgot about that. And like, oh, did they die? What happened to them again? Like, you have all of those, those moments. It just get you sit back. Let me give you one of those really quick before we get into it. The seven-week recap, quick review of where we've been. We started this series with this idea that Jesus didn't come just to be Savior, but he came to usher into the world the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus comes, he says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he came to bring that kingdom to the world and also declared in saying that the kingdom is here, that He is king of this kingdom. The rest of the series has been unpacking what kind of king are we talking about? What is Jesus like? We talked about the fact that Jesus is a king who serves. He says, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life away as a ransom for many We see that Jesus is a king who eats and drinks with sinners. So often, even in our Christian life, we we make these distinctions between those who are worthy and unworthy or godly and ungodly, clean or unclean. But Jesus came to those who the religious said he should stay away from and he created space for them, hospitality, a space. We saw that Jesus is a king who heals. Jesus is a king who rests and invites us to live in and experience his rest. A few weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus is an advocate. Jesus stands in and advocates for the disenfranchised, the forgotten, and the untouchables of our world. And last week, we saw how Jesus saves. What kind of king is Jesus? He's one that goes to a cross on behalf of those who are sinners, who are broken and far from him. And he makes a way for us to be reconciled to God. And so if you can think about it like this, is that each of these weeks is sort of like a pearl, a pearl of wisdom. However, these pearls on their own in isolation are just pearls. But in order for them to become something that you can wear or adorn your neck like a necklace, there needs to be a thread. There needs to be a cord that binds them all together. And today, this sermon in, the last, in this series is like that thread that creates a necklace. It binds them all together. Today's idea is meant to bring together this idea that Jesus is the fulfillment, that all that we've talked about qualifies him as king over everything. And today we're speaking around the idea that Jesus is Lord. Now, full warning, sometimes when we come to church and we open up the Bible, sometimes it's meant to comfort us. Sometimes it's meant to encourage us. Sometimes it's meant to inspire us. And sometimes it's meant to kind of throat punch us. And that's okay. Like Sometimes the Bible is... It, it's not meant to comfort but to rattle us just a little bit. And anytime we talk about the idea of lordship, it's probably going to rattle us a little bit. But we're going to look to the words of Jesus. We're going to open up the Bible And we're going to make it to the end. We're going to be okay. But I just want to give you a full warning that that's sometimes what happens. So let's pray together as we open up the word. Jesus, we welcome you in this place to speak to us. We say that you're King and Lord over everything. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring our hearts and our souls and our very lives under submission to King Jesus today. We sit under your word and we say, speak to us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. The truth for all of us here today is that every one of us is mastered by something or someone. The thing that masters us is the thing that holds our highest allegiance. It's the thing or the person in our life that holds our greatest dedication. It's the thing in our life that, that receives our worship. The question is not, do we have something that masters us? The question is, what or who masters us? For some, the thing that masters us is our image. We carefully curate this image that we try to project to the world, and that's the thing that has our highest allegiance. For some, it's our career. It's like the first place. It gets our best energy, our best attention. It's the thing that has our allegiance and dedication. For others, it's family or this vision of what family should look like. For some, it's their reputation that they built. For some, it's a bank account. You can list all of these different things, but these things master us when they take that primary and supreme place in our life. The thing that all of these ideas have in common, the thing that all of these different masters have in common is that they always promise something that they are incapable of delivering on. All of these things promise you peace if you give your allegiance to them. They promise you strength. They promise you fulfillment. They promise you comfort. They promise you joy. But in the end, when you walk out that road, when you get to the end of that promise, it's left empty and you're left wanting. Many of us have experienced that so many times in our life where we've made a relationship, that thing that masters us or our career or whatever it might be, and we've been left empty. But ultimately, what all of these things do is they try to tell us what I think we most want to hear as broken human beings. The thing that we're actually after, and it's this, they try to tell us that we can be the Lord of our own life if we'll just serve them as master, we can actually become Lord of our own life. That's the lie that they pitch over and over and over again. But we believe that as followers of Jesus, that if we are to call him king, it also means we call him Lord. It's one thing to say, yeah, Jesus, you're king, but to say he's Lord over my life is a whole nother declaration. For those of us who claim the title Christian, it's Christ alone who deserves our highest allegiance, our dedication, our worship, and our obedience. Nobody else deserves that place. The only rightful Lord of our lives is Jesus. You know, we come into the Christmas season pretty quick. Some of you probably have your trees set up and the lights are coming and all of those things. And one of the, the, the terms we hear around Christmas sometimes, a title that we give to Jesus for some reason, mostly around Christmas, is Prince of Peace. And we love Jesus, the Prince of Peace. That makes us feel good. We like that. Everyone wants peace. But let me bring you just through a, a, a line of thinking for a minute as we continue to intro this idea that in order for Jesus to be the Prince of Peace in our life, a coronation service must be held where we crown him king of our heart. He can't be the prince of peace unless he's also king. And he can't be king unless he's also Lord. But this is who scripture reveals Jesus to be. This is the picture that scripture paints. He's not just savior. He is savior, but he's also Lord. I want to read a couple of verses that help describe Jesus in this light for us. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, the apostle Paul writes this, Therefore God exalted him, being Jesus, to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In this letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul declares that God has given Jesus the name above every name. Like nobody comes near. Nobody's in the same atmosphere. Like Jesus stands alone. And there's a day coming, Paul says, that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Every tongue will confess that he is not just Savior, but Lord. Paul writes to the church to the Colossian church in chapter one, verses 15 to 18. He says, "'The Son is the image of the invisible God, "'the firstborn over all creation. "'For in him all things were created, "'things in heaven and on earth, "'visible and invisible. "'Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, "'all things have been created through him and for him. "'He is before all things.'" And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. In this letter to the Colossians, Paul declares that Jesus has been and has the qualified supremacy, he's above everything. He's the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is like? It's in the person of Jesus. He's above all of these things. All things were created by him and for him and are sustained through his very nature. He's the head of the church, the firstborn from among the dead. In all things, he has preeminence. This is Jesus. Jesus precedes all others in his priority. Jesus exceeds all others in his superiority He succeeds all others in his finality. This is Jesus. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of conquerors. He's head of heroes, the leader of legislators. He's the governor of governors, prince of princes, king of kings, lord of lords. This is who we're talking about when we say Jesus is king. He's not just savior. He's also lord. And if this is who scripture reveals Jesus to be, If this is true, what we've just read, if we all agree that this is who Jesus is, the question I think we need to ask ourselves is this, is who have we made Jesus to be in our lives? Because the crazy thing is, is that I think all of those things we just said are true of Jesus, but we get to decide if he is that in our life day to day. We get to make a decision about whether he is Lord or not. Do our lives reflect that Jesus is Lord or does something or someone else hold that position in our life? Is it Jesus who has our ultimate allegiance or is it something else? Jesus is savior, but he's also Lord. And the Lordship that Jesus is after in our lives, it's one that I think is marked by two distinct things. It's marked by relationship and by obedience. The lordship he's after is marked by relationship and by obedience. But here's where I think I tend to get it wrong and where maybe you might get it wrong as well. We're gonna look at two problems that we have when we come to the idea of lordship and giving Jesus that place in our life. Two errors I think we fall in. I think one error is this, is we give Jesus our allegiance with our words, but not with our obedience. The second error is, is we give Jesus allegiance with our obedience, but not with our heart. We give him allegiance with words, but not obedience, or with our obedience, but not our heart. And I want to explore these two ideas for a few minutes tonight. That first idea, we give Jesus allegiance with our words, but not our obedience. See, a lot of people who have the title Christian, we've reduced our faith simply to a moment of decision. Anyone who's a Christian, there was a moment in time where you decided, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Maybe it was in a service like this or at a camp or with a family member in a living room, whatever it may have been, it all looks different for everybody. And and there's a moment where we say, Jesus, forgive my sins and have my life. That's that moment of decision. It's a salvation moment. And this is significant. We give space for it almost every time we gather for people to say yes and have this moment of decision. But for most of us, when it comes to faith in Jesus, we came to faith because we realized at some level that Jesus was meeting a need in our life, a need in our heart. Like he found us in a moment of fear. He found us in a moment where we felt hopeless. He found us in our despair. He finds us in our confusion, our pain, our wandering there's a, a moment or a space of need in our life, and we realize that Jesus can meet that need like nobody else. And so he finds us, and we understand that he is the answer, and he gives our life meaning, and he gives our life hope, and he gives our life joy, and he gives us comfort and strength. All of these things are true of Jesus. This is so often how he works in our lives, as he meets us at a point of need, And the longer we follow Jesus, what we come to find is he's actually the answer to every need. He's the solution to every deficiency we have in our life. The problem, however, is that many of us never progress beyond this point. And what we do is we wrongly develop develop a relationship with Jesus that becomes contingent on him continuing to meet our needs. We've had a conversion moment, but we remain in control of our lives. Or in other words, we've converted to Christianity. We wear the title, but we have not become disciples of Jesus. And here's what I think this can look like. It looks like this. It's like we're happy to identify with Jesus as long as he continues to serve our dreams and our hopes and our wishes. So, okay, I'm good to wear the title, as long as these things stay intact. We're happy to identify with Jesus as long as there's clear benefits. My relationships are better. My bank account is better. My self-esteem is better. I'm comfortable more than I was before. All of as long as there's benefits to it, I'm good. We're good to identify with Jesus as long as our identification with him doesn't cause too much discomfort in our lives. Like, Jesus, as long as it doesn't cost me too much, as long as I don't have to like, confront those people, as long as I can hide it in these settings, then I'm good. And we kind of treat Jesus like a vending machine. We come to Jesus, we deposit just a little bit, we hit a couple buttons, we get what we want, but if we came and we d- he didn't have what we want, we leave angry and pouty, and we say, why aren't you serving me? Why is not it like it used to be? Why is it so hard now? Our relationship with Jesus becomes contingent on Him continuing to meet our needs. And we try to make Jesus whoever we want Him to be. Last week on our online service, I was speaking and I said, We, we often do this. We try to make Jesus into our own image. We try to make Jesus be who we want Him to be, but we can't do that. We try. And we say, instead of saying, asking ourselves the question, who is Jesus, we, we change it just a little bit and say, I wonder who Jesus is to you, or who is Jesus to me? And we all think we can make Jesus whoever we want him to be, but he's still Jesus. We're not left with that option of making him out to be who we want him to be. Because when we do that, we never make him Lord. There's a big difference between converting to Christianity and being a disciple of Jesus. There's a difference between wearing the title and actually following Jesus and the difference comes down ultimately to lordship. Who is actually in control of your life? As we read the Gospels, we see Jesus constantly meet people at their point of need that even the felt need of their life people who were hungry he fed people who were uh, like broken in sin he met those who were sick he healed he meets people at their point of need but he was also very clear that he wasn't just looking for lip service in return he invited people to follow him and to make him lord In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus asks this question to those who were listening. He says, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? Isn't that so interesting? It's not interesting because I I think, oh, I wonder what those guys hearing Jesus were doing. It's interesting or maybe convicting because I think about my own life of how often do I call Jesus Lord but choose what I'll obey and what I won't. Follow him into convenience and comfort, but never into sacrifice or discomfort. And I think Jesus might ask me the very same question. Jason, why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I say? Many will call Jesus Lord. Many will try to receive the benefits of identifying with Jesus, but their picture of lordship is flawed. Because if you look just beneath the surface, maybe not even beneath the surface, maybe you just look on the outside, you see who's in control and it's not Jesus. In another case, John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, that's hard, Jesus, because I love you, and I love to come and sing songs about how much I love you, and I love to, to you know, put it on Instagram, how much I love you. It's in my bio, how much I love you. And then he says, but, but keep my commands. Well, hold on a minute. That's difficult. That's challenging. Like, what about these things? And I'm not sure about that. If you love me, he says, keep my commands. Obey me. For those who claim to be disciples of Jesus, acknowledgement of Christ's authority is to be accomplished and accompanied by obedience to his commands. It's not enough just to claim allegiance to Jesus with our words or a title. It has to come out in obedience. Jesus wants to be Lord of our lives. And this means allegiance to him can't just be words, but it's also obedience, and not just obedience when it's easy. Like, when I, if I were to tell one of my kids, Jude, I, my command to you right now is to go on the couch and watch Netflix or watch YouTube. That's easy obedience for him. No problem. But if I tell him to go clean his room or do something he doesn't, that's when obedience becomes hard. We, we can talk about obedience all we want when it's easy, and it costs us nothing. But if you read the Bible just a little bit, you start to find things that say, "E, that's harder. That's less comfortable. That's more costly. Jesus is calling us to obedience even when it's hard or confusing or uncomfortable or painful. Because if he's Lord, he's Lord. And it's not up to us anymore. It's up to him. Where do I live? What is my career? Who will I marry? What are my priorities? Where do I give my money to? What do I do with my time? Jesus, if he's Lord, he decides. He's Lord. That's not to say that he doesn't give us the ability to have wisdom and to think and to use our own faculty, but at the end of the day, he calls the shots. It's easy to claim Jesus as Lord with words, but the reality is seen in our obedience. The second way we fail to make Jesus Lord is when we give him our allegiance through our obedience, but not with our heart. I think a lot of us, we kind of treat Jesus like an insurance broker more than Lord. You go to buy insurance because you're worried about what's like a bad thing might happen. We want comfort, we want assurance that if things get really bad, we've got a plan. But when you go to an insurance broker, you don't really have a relationship with the insurance broker, do you? You're there to make a transaction with somebody. And so here's what we do we pick out a policy and we make regular deposits to that policy to make sure it's kept up, right? Like if you don't pay your insurance payment, you won't have insurance when you need it. So we pay a little bit. Andrew just figured that out for the first time. He's like, that's how insurance works. (laughs) We pay a little bit, like every month, we're just paying into it. The other thing we do is we make sure we follow the rules that are stipulated in the policy to make sure we don't invalidate the insurance policy. So it's like in my house, I've got home insurance. I think I'm supposed to have like a fire extinguisher in the kitchen. That's one of the stipulations. If I don't follow that rule, it'll void my home insurance if there were a fire. So we follow all of these rules to make sure that our insurance is up to date. But we really hope to not have to use the insurance only if things go really bad. And many of us kind of treat Jesus like an insurance broker. We check in enough. We make just enough deposit to keep the policy open. We make sure we keep ourselves in line. We follow the rules stipulated so that we have insurance when the fire comes. Things on the outside can look good and put together. But Jesus, the insurance broker, doesn't have the affection of our heart. He's just a means to an end. He's just someone we check in with to make sure our policy is covered. You see, Jesus does want our obedience but not in just some cold, disconnected kind of way. He's not distant and cut off and cold, asking for empty obedience that just to keep us in line. Jesus wants to be Lord of our life, but he also wants our heart. In fact, I think this is what he wants most, is our heart. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, 21 to 23. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Worship team, you can join me on the stage. This is, I think I've said it here before, this is like the most terrifying passage of Scripture to me in all the Bible. And it's not scary because Jesus says, oh, I, I, away from me. It's, the, it's why he says that that freaks me out. Because to those he was speaking to, and indeed if he's speaking to us, the issue is not the outward appearance of obedience, Like, the outside looked good. These people did all the right things. They were in church every week. They posted the right things on Instagram. Like, they were probably more hardcore than most of us. Like, did you not, it says, we've performed many miracles, and we drove out demons, and we prophesied. Like, I haven't done all of those things in the last 30 days. Like, check all of these boxes. That looks like they have it all together, Those are the types of things we would say, You're a Christian. I can see your obedience. Everything on the outside looks good. But Jesus says, You've missed the most important thing. He says, I never knew you. And this is where we see the balance and the tension of what Jesus means when he wants to be Lord of our life. Yes, he wants us to obey him, but he also wants our heart. He wants us to know him and he wants to know us. He wants to have relationship with us. He's not off in some ivory tower somewhere. He's close and he wants to know us. But it's possible to live a life of outward obedience, staunch religious obedience, and still miss what Jesus calls the will of the father. Because the will of the father is more than just Obedience, external obedience, divorced from relationship with his son. The will of the Father is that we would first know Jesus, that we would receive his grace and his love, and from a place of relationship, we would obey him as Lord. It's heart and obedience. It's heart and obedience. See, obedience is important, but none of us could ever fill the gap our sin left by obedience alone. I don't care how hard you work. I don't care how many commands you obey, how, off, how many boxes you check, how often you come to church. You cannot obey your way out of sin. Only grace can cover that gap. Only grace can fill that. And Jesus gives that so freely. Obedience is our response to his grace. Because even when we're weak and even when we can't obey, Jesus gives us the strength to obey. He gives us the faith in response to the faith that he gives us so freely. He finds us in our sin and he makes us new. And in response, you and I are given the opportunity to crown him Lord of our life, which is proven by our obedience. I wonder if someone here today, say, if, if you were to describe your walk with Jesus right now, you'd say, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Maybe you feel like you've never done enough. There's always a box unchecked. You always feel like you're lacking something. You should have done more. You should have worked harder. You should have done, gone the extra mile again. And I don't know this for sure, but my guess would be, you're probably doing a really good job of staying in the rules, of obeying the commands of God. But you haven't given him your heart. Like there's a hope that you have that if you can just do all of the right things and somehow it'll get to your heart. But Jesus flips that whole thing on his end and he says, give me your heart and let that lead to obedience. Let me have your heart. Let me be Lord of your heart. Let me have all of your affection. Let me have all of your love. And let me tell you this. This is way harder than just externally obeying God. Because everything in our life is trying to grab the the affection of our heart. Everything in our world is enticing us to give it, give them the affection of our heart. It's so much easier just to obey a few rules. But Jesus says, I don't want just empty obedience. I want your heart. That's way harder. That costs way more. That is everything. That's your whole life. But Jesus is up front. He says, that's what I'm asking for. And he's patient and he'll walk you to that place. But just be aware. Just know that's where he's leading us. He wants all of our heart. And if we can give him our heart, Obedience flows naturally from that place. Jesus wants to be Lord, and that means He has all of our heart and all of our obedience. This is what it looks like for you and I to make Jesus Lord. For many of us, we've experienced Jesus as Savior, He's forgiven our sins but the journey and process of making him Lord is one marked by sacrifice. And sometimes it's discomfort and sometimes it's pain and it's dying to ourselves and it's saying yes to Jesus even at the cost of my own comfort to say, Jesus, is your Lord. It's saying no to the other things that want the affection of my heart so that Jesus can reign fully and completely in that place saying, Jesus, you have access to all of me. The deepest part of who I am as a human, that's where you want to live and dwell and be Lord. But can I remind us today that Jesus is very different than the King and Lords of our world. He doesn't demand allegiance from us from a distance. He doesn't ask something from us that he hasn't given in far greater degree already. Jesus came close. And he removed through his own life and sacrifice the barriers that existed between us and him. The king King of glory became one of us and defeated our greatest enemy. So now you and I can choose to crown him king and lord of our life. So my question for us today is this is where are you at? Who have you made Jesus to be in your life? Does Jesus have your allegiance in word? Like does he have the title but not in your obedience? Does Jesus have your allegiance in your obedience but not with your heart? Here's my hunch. Is it all of us fall into one of these categories today? I do. At some level, like there's some of us, we're like, yeah, we've got the title, but we know. Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to be honest. Be honest with yourself. You know that you're calling the shots of your life. You know the things in your life that if Jesus asked you to lay that thing down, the answer would be hard no right now. So you don't even ask him but maybe you have a hunch that he's whispering that to your heart, say so lay it down. And you're saying, no, not gonna do it. Too scary, too painful, too much invested into that. That's the Lord of your life. And so you've got the title all day long, but he doesn't have your obedience. Or maybe you're just like, I do it all right, all the time. I stay within the lines. I go the extra mile, but the truth is, is that he doesn't have your heart. And today he would say to you, can I have your heart? Can I be Lord of your heart too? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna create a bit of space. The team's gonna lead us through a song. And we're gonna give a a space just first for you to respond on your own. This is one of those things I'm like, if you... We all have a choice. It's like we can just forget that anything that was said, or you can find something you didn't like and explain it away, or you can just do business with God. That's up to you. It's not like we'll just try to create the space and the environment. But what I'd love us to do is to have a coronation service again where we crown him Lord of our life. Yes, he's Savior busy Lord and today maybe you fall into one of those two categories, my hunch again is that we all do, and today we're saying Jesus, I don't want to just wear the title, I want to obey you even when it hurts I want to say Jesus, I don't want to just do all the right things externally, I want you to have my heart and today we have an opportunity to say Jesus, you're Lord again and guess what tomorrow you'll need to make that decision again. And the day after that, you'll need to make that decision again and again and again and again. But he's worthy to be Savior and King and Lord. Can we stand? Jesus, I welcome you into this place. And I ask that you'd make clear into every heart who's Lord. Lord and where it's not you I pray that you would empower us by your spirit to crown you lord of our heart and lord of our all of our obedience I pray that there be no space for condemnation but I pray that we would receive the conviction of the holy spirit and respond to your kindness to us, as we crown you Lord of our lives. Thanks God. As we worship where you are, do business with God, crown him King and Lord of your heart again. Let's sing. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.